Thanks, everybody, for being here and listening to The Art of Accomplishment. If you want another way to explore our work, we've created several complimentary workshops that give you the opportunity to taste our unique brand of learning experiences. To reserve your spot, visit view.life slash explore or click the link in the show notes. Welcome to The Art of Accomplishment, where we explore how deepening connection with ourselves and others leads to creating the life we want with enjoyment and ease. I'm Brett Kistler, and I'm here again with Joe Hudson. What is love? We all have a felt sense of love and opinions around what it is. How do our feelings and ideas around love get formed? What happens when our experience of love gets confused with our complex past? And how can we unwind our conditioning and open up to the deepest, richest love available to us? This is what we'll explore in today's episode. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Brett. How are you, man? Oh, man. I feel like I got hit by a truck. Uh, (laughs) We just did Groundbreakers last week. And as always, afterwards, just being in the space with everybody's process and everybody's emotions and myself doing more and more of this work and just recognizing how sensitive my body is to what's going on in the room around me. Uh, I come out of it and I'm just like, woof, like my body just needs to, needs to move some stuff. Yeah. It's, it's a lot holding, holding that space. And then, you know, coming back into my own week, uh, having, having been away from a lot of other stuff and having, having catch up to do. Yeah. What's amazing to me is that the, I mean, it's not amazing, but the folks who leave groundbreakers are stoked, happy, loving, refreshed, revived, and then the, the, and everybody who's facilitated <laughs> is like just gonna drool on themselves for two days in recovery. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's kind of this interesting thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm I, I'm feeling pretty recovered now, but I definitely had two days of doing absolutely nothing, which I think is the key. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I came right out of it and uh, found out about a death in the family. So oh, that just man. another another load of things hitting my system, oh. and. It's really, really brought up for me, you know, as I'm, as I'm planning my travel, you know, back to this funeral and reflecting, uh, it's having me just reflect on a lot of what, what this work is, is how we, we bring ourselves back to unconditional love. You know, view is one of the ways you've described the view state of being is to be in unconditional love. Yeah. And I'm really curious to explore, uh, sort of the assumptions under underneath what each of us might think love is. You know, one one of the things that happens when people come into a groundbreakers is that they they start to recognize, oh, I I thought love was sacrifice. You know, right. I thought yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought love was abuse. I thought love yeah. was, you know, tough love, really just like pushing somebody and or being pushed. And so there's just all these different ways that we that we've come to recognize what we believe love to be and to say that we, everybody, I think everybody wants to be loved and to be loving. And there's just many different beliefs around what that actually means. Yeah. What's interesting to me too, is that there's also the, there's the logical belief and then there's the somatic belief system and so you, you just said something like some people think love is abuse. And I think most people intellectually would be like, no, it isn't. Right. And, 
And yet you see it all the time where somebody has abusive love relationships. And so they're recreating that abuse or like in a groundbreakers when they're overwhelmed with like this tremendous love that they haven't felt before. They'll literally say something like, I don't understand why I think someone's going to hit me or, or, you know, or wow, I feel like I should be hit right now because they've, they've had that kind of abuse in their life. Um, so there's, yes, we get love confused, not only intellectually, but also in the body, our body does that. And, and so for me, the, what I see here is that, you know, that classic saying of that, which wires together, fires together. What I notice is that the, the love that was, uh, shown like what we are kids and we love our parents. Whether and I don't care what happens to you, I don't care if you hate your parents. You know, you end up loving your parents. the 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 kid who was like deeply abused by a parent still, on some level, wants the love and affection of their parent. They want that relationship healed. They want, um, they want closure, or they want to be seen by the parent. And even if they've given up on it, there's still something in all of us that yeah. wants that. It's hardwired. And so hardwired, right? And so we're hardwired for this. And so whatever relationship we've had with our parents or our caregivers in those early times, whatever that is, that gets wired with the love. This is what I think love is. So if my parents were really critical, then it's like, oh, right. Criticism is part of the experience of love. If my parents were abusive, abuse is part of the experience of love. If my parents are avoidant, then avoidance is part of the experience of love. And we go about um, finding that experience over and over again, recreating that experience over and over again, knowing love to be that experience over and over again. And it isn't until somebody really stops and says, "What? what's the love that I really wanted that they can get in touch with the, like the deeper levels of love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So, and sort of the, the justifications are often, if I don't, you know, if, if I'm not critical with my kid, the world will be more critical and I'm protecting them from something. Oh yeah. Right. There's yeah. A, a great justifications for all of it. My parents <laughs> did it. And so I, I would, I turned out just fine. Yeah. <laughs> if you're just, just on the, on that note, if you're saying I did it, my parents did it and I turned out just fine. I can guarantee you that's not true. <laughs> like, that you if you have to say fine. if you yeah yeah exactly if you have to say that it means you're protecting something that was hurt i guarantee mm. it so if you mm -hmm. if you're listening to this and you've said that that's a really good marker for a, a part of yourself that you've been hurt that has been hurt that you haven't addressed yeah, yeah. okay so let's yeah. let's look more into this so uh we we grow up we naturally love our parents we want their love we need connection to survive and yeah. so we just end up, our bodies, our emotions, and our thoughts get conditioned from yeah. whatever love was available to us or whatever connection was available. And we just assume that that's love. And yeah. then that becomes the way that we experience, expect, look for it in the rest of our lives. What are, what are some of the practical implications of, of this phenomenon? It, well, one is when somebody says, Oh, you should love that part of yourself or you should love yourself. One, one of the basic ones is they're like, they'll say, how do I do that? You know, it's literally that, but, um, but the more, the thing that actually affects people's lives in a real way is that we, 
become attracted to people who fulfill that concept of love. And um, we, the things that we think we have to do for love are, are part of that is like, that's, that's how it, it's trained us. So what we learned love to be is what is also our list of the things we think we have to do for love. And it also is what tells us we have to close down our heart incorrectly, but it tells us what we have to close down our heart for. Hmm. So the things that we think like, oh, this is what love is. If I don't do that, then I have to close down my heart. And we get a false, false causation, false correlation. And all those things really screw up relationships. So the, the effect is like, really screwed up relationships through because of these things. Yeah. Got it. So there, there were a couple of different points that you mentioned there. So let's go into each of these and describe how they play out. Uh, yeah, the first yeah. one you mentioned is what you're attracted to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, how, yeah. How, how love, how your conception of love affects what you're attracted to, what, who's attracted to you and what you're looking for. Say yeah. more on that. Yeah. So, so I, I cannot tell you how many clients I've had who like part of what they want to do in our work is to find that relationship and they'll just say, well, I can't control what I'm attracted to. <laughs> like, uh, not in the short term, maybe, but definitely in the long term. And so there's this, this thing that like sparks us, the thing that says, oh, wow, here's this person that I'm attracted to, it's it's typically because they play the role that we had as a kid around love. And we've touched on this in different ways in the podcast. And I think I've told the story, but I can't remember. But I've had this great occasion to be able to listen to people in their first dates. And I can literally tell you what the patterns are going to be by listening to the, the unknown negotiation that they're having with one another during mm. it. Yeah. So as an example... Uh, if you knew love to be deeply critical, which we just talked about, then most likely you're going to have somebody, your other, the person that you're loving is going to be highly critical with you. If you know, or you're going to be critical to them or both. And so that's, that's how the system works is that we, whatever was wired with the love is what we're going to be attracted to. And, and what I notice is that over time, my clients will often, or the people who who take the courses will often change what they're attracted to. Like that, that natural, oh my gosh, I'm attracted to that person completely changes because they have learned to create like non-correlation, non-space between the idea of love and the idea of or what was wired in as love when they were, when they were young. And, and that often requires a step of not treating yourself that way. So, oh, this is love. Love is criticism. Therefore I criticize myself a lot. Therefore I criticize the people who I love a lot. And it's when they can start separating criticism from love, then then yeah. they stop it in themselves. And, and that process can be quite scary because when they, when you're separating the criticism from yourself, you're like, Oh my gosh, then I'm, it's a very subconscious thing, but there's this fear that, Oh, I, I'm, this is, and I'm going to have love pulled away from me. Right. That's the other way that it works is that if it was wired like that, if it gets, it turns away, you're like, Oh, love's going to go with it. So yeah. I have to accept that. Yeah. 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 If I, if I don't accept if I don't take criticism or accept criticism in my life, then I won't receive love. People will leave me yeah. because I got the most criticism 
and attention and love and therefore what I experienced as love when I was being criticized. And then so that that also kind of inter, interacts with a self-concept of like, let's say the self-concept might be, I need to be criticized or I need to be pushed or mm-hmm. I need somebody else to tell me what's what's best. Yeah. And I don't feel like I'm getting my needs met if I don't have somebody fulfilling that role. So then I would right. then, that's that's how I might recreate the patterns so that somebody who's in relationship with me finds themselves criticizing me because I'm inviting it. Yeah. And I would say just like the easier way to feel this for anybody who's listening is just say to yourself out loud, I, I don't need to accept criticism to be loved. And many people who just said that to themselves are immediately, so go ahead if you're listening and do that. And then you'll notice the thoughts that arise. Oh, wait, no, I can't. People will think I'm arrogant. People will think I'm 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 I I'm not open to feedback. People will think blah blah blah. You'll have a thousand thoughts that justify how will I improve? criticism. How will, how I, will I improve? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As if criticism is required for any of that stuff, right? And then you'll hear the thought: Yes, criticism is absolutely required for that stuff. And and so feedback is, but criticism isn't. And so it is literally that process of getting to the point of seeing that clearly. Oh yeah, criticism in the body and in the mind. Criticism is not necessary. Mm-hmm. And and that will happen with anything that you taught were taught love was. Yeah. I have to put up with somebody leaving all the time. I have to put up with avoidance. I have to put up with blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So this is this was the piece around what we're attracting and what we're attracted to. Uh, yeah. The next one that you mentioned was what you have to do for love. The assumptions around what we have to do to be loved. Yeah, wired together. Yeah, so that's what we're that's what we're we've actually drifted into that is like yeah. oh we have to accept that criticism is an example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that one is that that one's interesting because it's. It's also how we lose our power in a relationship. So, right. For instance, uh, let's say there's two people and they both date a jealous person. The first person didn't learn that jealousy was something or possessiveness was something to be accepted. And so it's just like, yeah, no, I'm not taking, taking that on. Forget it. And it's just very clean and simple. And either the person meets them or doesn't meet them. The other person who was taught that they were responsible for other people's emotional states. And they say, oh, yeah, I'm I will accept this, um, this jealousy, even though it sucks, even though I'm not saying the thing that I want to say because I'm scared of the jealousy, even though uh, it feels horrible to be in this interaction with this person. And in that they start losing their power and then the attraction dies. So everything that we do to get the love, which is a false sense of love to maintain the love, which is a false sense of love, erodes our power and reduces the attraction in the relationship. And so you see that all the time. Two people who've been together for a while, the attraction's gone, the sex is gone because they're taking care of each other because they think they have to take care of each other in different ways to maintain the love. Hmm. And that is all based on a false sense of love. Yeah. And by take care of, you mean sort of the caretaking like they're 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 taking responsibility for the other's emotion and choosing believing that they need to abandon 
themselves and their power in order to receive love. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is, this is what creates the dysfunction in the relationships. This is what creates the fights in the relationship. This is what creates the loss of power in the relationship. So the way it creates the fights is let's use that. Um, another example of somebody who learned that their job was to make sure that the person, the other person doesn't get mad. Right. So they're in a relationship where they think to maintain love, they have to make sure that the other person doesn't get angry and when they're, they'll be confronted at some point where it's between doing what they want to do and doing something that might get that person angry and the resentment starts building and that resentment either becomes aggression or passive aggression. And that starts tweaking the relationship to a point where fights start occurring, either, whether they're passive fights or aggressive fights. And, and the fights get stuck because the yeah. sort of the, the meta process in the fight is trying to minimize the other person's anger rather than hearing them and being with them and fully receiving them and staying within oneself and one's needs. Right. And That's right. so then the communication drops in the relationship. It becomes a management process rather than a relationship or right. a, yeah. a, a joining of, yeah, a joining of two wisdoms. Yeah. And, and so, right. So this <laughs> <laughs> like, here's something you've never heard. Oh my gosh, I just met the most beautiful person. I'm totally in love with them. It's like, I'm just awestruck by them because they're going to need a lot of my management. <laughs> like, you never hear that. You do subconsciously. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but then like a year later, it's just it's constantly managing one another as yeah. an example. So yeah. So, and all that happens because of that false sense of love, that, yeah. that confused confused love yeah yeah okay so another thing that you had mentioned in the practical implications was that the way that we the way that we perceive or assume love to be can determines where we will close our heart can you say more on that yeah so I'll, i'll give you a really great story that's happened recently um one of my clients uh was um questioning their marriage and they were, he was, uh, just not being loving. And I was, and I was calling attention to him, like, what's going on. And, and what we discovered was that he thought that he couldn't leave and love them because that would be disloyal. That would be, um, it would be leading them on. And, as soon as he realized, oh, I can love this person even if I leave. I can love this person in the leaving. I can love this person in the staying. I can love this person. That that's actually where my freedom is, is to love them unconditionally. And that doesn't loving unconditionally. Even that thought process, somebody who's listening to this and wait, you can't leave somebody and love them unconditionally. Right. And so as soon as that person realized it, they were able to love their wife in a, in the way that was actually really appealing. It, it fixed the whole relationship that the, the thing that was, was stopping the love was the idea that I might leave the person. And therefore that was actually creating the reality of leaving the person. And as soon as it was like, Oh, I can love you and I don't need to manage you. Mm-hmm. Then the other person felt seen and heard for the first time and started relaxing and unfolding and being vulnerable and the whole thing. Worked. Yeah. It was, it wasn't a, it wasn't a like, 
overnight process by any stretch. Right. There was there was you know, months of work that came out of it, but the, all that work was allowed because all of a sudden people could feel seen and heard in whatever was happening for them. Whereas before that they couldn't, and therefore it, it wouldn't work because there was that closed heart. So yeah. that's what it means. It, it means anything that you think you have to close your heart for. Like if I, if I open my heart, then I have to stay with them. If I open my heart, then I have to put up with the abuse. If I open my heart, then I won't hold my boundaries. If I open my heart, then I won't, um, I won't stand for the thing that's important to me. If I open my heart, then I won't be able to get my sexual desires fulfilled, whatever it is that creates this closure of the heart. And then the, that doesn't allow the relationship to heal. Yeah. It creates a feeling of trappedness too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. If, if you, if you don't feel like you can leave and be loving and love yes. yourself because it would be bad for you not to be loving this person in the way that you've been conditioned to believe love is, then yeah. all that's left is to feel trapped and yeah. that's a fear state. And so now you're bringing a whole bunch of fear into where, where love could be. Yes. And that shows up everywhere in the relationship. Yeah. I, you know, we, we all want to be loving and we all want to be loved and yet we don't. And that's usually based on that confusion of what love is. We often don't even see when we're being loved. I was having a conversation just the other day with um, one of my clients, uh, a person that they that they work with and, and the person was describing the problems that they were having with my client. And she kept on saying like something to the effect of like, I know that sounds harsh. And I kept on saying, no, that sounds like compassion. Now my client couldn't hear it mm -hmm. because, because of their version of what love is. And she, this, this woman I was talking to, she was in a, in a situation where so many people in the world had told her that's not what love is, but she was just very direct, very straightforward and very clear about how to be with somebody. And it was, it was deeply compassionate. It wasn't, it wasn't refined. It wasn't skillful, but it was, there was compassion behind it. And, and that's the same thing that, that happens is that we, we have this um, idea of what love should be, and therefore we can't even see the love that's coming at us. That, that like different mm. different languages of love. Right? Yeah, we're listening on the wrong channel. Yeah, we're listening so on the wrong we, channel. So we feel like our life is loveless or lacking in love when we're just not seeing what is available, and we're chasing chasing something that's not really love. It's chasing really something well. that comes with all kinds of other stuff, fear, yeah. threat, control. Yeah. The experience is when you actually find the real love, the experience is, is that it's everywhere all the time. And it's, it's like the, 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 it, it, it almost feels like it's creating the entire reality. It's an amazing thing when you're like, oh, right. It's the, it's the thing that's, that's like animating everything on some level is the experience is a felt experience of it. Uh, yeah. And it's like, wait, how did I ever chase this? When it's just there. Yeah. So let's say, let's say we're in one of these dynamics and we recognize this and, yeah. uh, or some other, some other dynamic around 
uh, you know, that, that derives from our assumptions of what love is. How do yeah. we, how do we change it? What's, what's the way out of the pattern? Yeah, that's a great question. So learning to love yourself unconditionally is a huge part of it. Um, and the best pointer I can, I can give you there is to love yourself the way you've always wanted to be loved. Like literally go into a three-year-old version of yourself. Say, how do I want to be loved? How did I want love then? And give that kind of love to yourself. It's a felt sense. It's an experience. Mm. So that's one of the things. The other thing is to really allow the heartbreak. So if I, if I, uh, like, so because in that middle piece that we talked about, you feel trapped where, oh, I'm going to either lose the love or I'm going to have to sacrifice a part of myself. And then I lose the power and then I get in the fights, et cetera, et cetera. At that moment, the choice is heartbreak. Oh, I might lose something that I love if I'm myself and I'm going to be myself and I'm going to let my heart break if I lose the thing that I love. And maybe that allows the person to meet you in a different way, but it definitely makes it so the next person you meet will be a different way and you'll be attracted to something very different. And it's like 80, 20, typically, if someone's really consistent about it, 80%, mm -hmm. the person will meet them 20%. They'll have to, they'll have to, you know, the relationship will end and a new relationship will begin. Um, so, so it's like allowing that heartbreak. So really when we say we feel stuck in a relationship, oh, because if I, they might get angry, I'm either going to have to feel fear or I'm going to have to feel heartbreak and beneath the fear that I have to feel is, is heartbreak. So, oh, I can't say that to the jealous person because if I say that to the jealous person, they're going to just fucking go crazy. Right. And, mm -hmm. and so maybe I'm scared because they're going crazy assuming they're not violent or anything, right? They're going crazy. Maybe there's some fear in me, but underneath that fear is this deep heartbreak of, holy crap, I have been putting up with this and they're in so much pain is this deep heartbreak and sadness. And so allowing that every chance you possibly can will increase your capacity to love. So every time our heart's broken, it increases our capacity to love. And then the other one is just to take contrary um, action. So re today I was talking to one of my clients and they were talking about their um, their relationship with their mom. And what became really obvious is that the mom was doing fear at the person, right? Like the way you can be angry at someone, they were being fear, like they're putting anxiety at the person. So it was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Da, 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 da. As like, will you hold some of my fear so that I can feel better? And it was consistent and it was ridiculous. Like, but what, I don't know how to Google. Yeah. You know how to Google ma, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and, um, and in that she always was trying to make the fear better because she learned at a young age that making mom's fear go away or caretaking mom's fear is part of what love is. And so she was just caretaking it. And all of a sudden and she's like, all oh, right, wait, I can have freedom. What's the contrary action that I can take here when she has fear? And I could just be like, oh, wow, that's a lot of fear, mom. Or I could be like, oh, my gosh, and then what will happen? I mean, if, you, if, you, if you can't Google, then what's going to happen? Like, oh, <laughs> you like play into it or like even like up the ante the other way. You call up her mom and say, oh, my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen if you like 
get lost at the airport on the way to see me or whatever that is. So like, it's like finding that flexibility to act in a completely different way is part of allowing yourself to see that you're unstuck and that you can actually be in love. Yeah. So it seems like each, each of these are different layers where there's the taking the contrary action to the pattern will bring you into the heartbreak because you're going to yes. end up bumping up against the resistance and the fear. Yeah. Also feeling the heartbreak opens up your capacity to take those contrary actions because you've felt through yes. the, those consequences. And all of this brings you into the deeper unconditional love because yeah. you can be with yourself. You could be with your partner. You could love your partner, even if you're leaving. And, yeah. and then, so the whole space opens up and one, one, one curiosity that I have just that listeners might be curious about when we talk about feeling the heartbreak fully, I feel like there's a, often in sort of the culture, heartbreak is considered something that breaks you. You know, you have, you've had a heartbreak and now you're broken and you have baggage. Yeah. And I just want to kind of point out what, what is the, the distinction between when we say feel the heartbreak all the way through and uh, a broken heart in the way that people talk about it as something that's like damaged. Yeah. yeah, that's great. So it's, it's the best metaphor I have is in, it, which is weird because I've never done this, but in childbirth, Tara stopped calling contractions contractions and she called them expansions because that's what Whoa. they're actually doing in the body. They're actually expanding, right? And so she's uh -huh. like, oh, these are expansions. And it totally changed the way she related to childbirth. Similarly, heartbreak feels like it's like a breaking apart, but it's actually a breaking open. It's actually, an, it's like the contraction, it's an expansion. And it's just mm -hmm. to expand, like just take a huge deep breath in and then take a little more breath in and take a little bit more breath in. There's like, there's a pain to it, right? There's like a little bit of a discomfort that comes with it. Expansion has that discomfort as well. So when I say heartbreak, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about breaking open. And what's interesting is um, I just recently heard something that neuroscience shows that women compared to men in our society in Western society, anyways, women are far more open to the experience of heartbreak and therefore they will take the relationships like in the early days of a relationship breaking off or, or ending, they'll be a lot more in the emotional patterns of it. They'll have a lot more feelings, but they'll recover quicker. Whereas the mm -hmm. men won't be so much in that emotional experience. They won't have that feelings of won't allow those the hard feelings and then they won't recover for years and years and years and so fascinating yeah so it's it's that's what i'm talking about yeah yeah awesome yeah was there anything else you'd like to add yeah I, the thing that i would like to say is that you know it doesn't matter what kind of religion or or philosophy like so many of them come down to like love is like a cure and love is the solution. Love is the way there's so many things about that. And oftentimes what that gets translated to in the mind is either like that's some sort of fluffy thought process. that's not practical or it's like, Oh, love just means feeling good. And so feeling good is the way. And so like, that's not very mm -hmm. actionable. This is the action. What I'm trying to describe here is the action of love. It is loving 
and learning to love in a way in which it is not that it's in the pure sense of love, not in the learned sense of love and allowing ourselves to feel love in a more and more pure sense is um, something that actually frees us incredibly deeply. And the way to do that is to look for the ways that you are managing others, look for the things that cause you fights, look for the ways that you are defending yourself. And when you find them, see what kind of heartbreak is required so that you can get back to unconditional love for the person. See what kind of ways that you have to love that you didn't think love was at all had anything to do with, right? Like love might be leaving somebody. Love might be being very brutally honest with somebody. Love might be, um, you know, just playing with somebody. There's lots of things that love can, that you can love while you're doing those things and, and that you don't think are true. And as you learn that, then all of a sudden love doesn't have to be restricted by fear or, Love doesn't have to be constricted by like fear in itself can be loved. And so, so that's the path. Like I want to just make that like super concrete. So it's, it's not, it's not just like, oh, okay, I'm going to just be loving all the time. <laughs> that, that doesn't work. That's like, that's like attempted self brainwash and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It's literally just finding the ways that you defend and feeling the heartbreak that you need to feel so that you can love unconditionally and, Take care of yourself. Awesome. Thank you, Joe. You're welcome. Thank you, Brett. It's a pleasure as always. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Take care. Until next time. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, send it to someone you think would like it. We love your feedback. You can reach out to us on Twitter at Art of a Comp or on our website at artofaccomplishment.com which is also a great place to check out our courses and coaching. See you next time.